Thank you for being with us. This is a recording we hope you will share. In our Bible classes, posted on YouTube biweekly, for several weeks we have been in pursuit of a survey of Bible history. We call it the 17 Periods of Bible History. Much of that study is from the Old Testament. God is preparing a people, preparing the world, to send the Savior. It is valuable to have that history and that sequence of events well in mind, and that's our objective in that class. Now, in the Old Testament, a lot of space is given to the prophets, inspired men with messages from God to be delivered to the people about their sin, their destiny, their needs. Some of that in the prophets points to Jesus Christ and his coming kingdom, but often the prophets addressed the sin of the time that was going on at the time they spoke those messages, the moral issues. Several years ago, as I reflected on part of the prophets' messages, this question came up. What would the prophets say if they were here today? Christ has already been here, and he is enthroned at the right hand of God, so the prophets wouldn't be issuing prophecies about his birth, life, or death. But what would they say about moral issues? Or, maybe I should say, the absence of moral values. What would they say about various attitudes and behaviors and relationships commonly approved in our day? I thought this was needed, this line of thought, and I continue to think this is a good approach because, as it says in Romans 15, whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction. So what would the prophets say? Based on what we know they said in their time, written in the Old Testament, what would they say today about our situation? My initial thoughts were they would address the plague of alcohol, apostasy, apathy. Something else came up quickly in my mind. Abortion. If the prophets were here in America today, knowing what is happening to babies, what would they say? I'm not concerned in this sermon with what politicians say. The courts, the human judges, lawmakers, and campaigners, and political platforms, mainstream, social media, all the back and forth, not my concern now, what does the Bible say about killing babies? And what would the prophets speak if they were here addressing that matter? I'm going to get to that, I promise. But there's some background from the Bible that can help us get started. See, you, you might hear someone say, in the history of the world, there has never been anything like this. Please open your Bible to Exodus chapter 1, verses 8 through 17. After Joseph, 
the descendants of Abraham are in bondage in Egypt, a new king arose with fear that the Israelites were growing and might become a threat. Having no fear of God and driven by his own purposes, here's what the Pharaoh did. Exodus 1, starting at verse 8. Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, Behold, the people of Israel are too many and too mighty for us. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply, and if war breaks out, they join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Therefore they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with heavy burdens. They built for Pharaoh store cities, Pithom and Ramses. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied, and the more they spread abroad. And the Egyptians were in dread of the people of Israel. So they ruthlessly made the people of Israel work as slaves and made their lives bitter with hard service in mortar and brick and in all kinds of work in the field. In all their work, they ruthlessly made them work as slaves. Then the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shiprah and the other Puah, when you serve as midwife to the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stool, if it is a son, you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but let the male children live. So the king of Egypt called the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this and let the male children live? The midwives said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwife comes to them. So God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and grew very strong. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families. Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, every son that is born to the Hebrews, you shall cast into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter live. So when midwives didn't cooperate, the new king said, throw those Israelite boys in the river. I don't know, what do you call this? Killing babies. It isn't a new thing. But it has always been immoral for men and women to kill babies. There are other accounts after this, but I want to take us to Matthew. Matthew chapter 2, verses 7 through 15. You are familiar with this narrative about the birth of Christ. Matthew chapter 2, 7 through 15. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it arose went before them, and until it came to rest over the place where the child was. 
When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he arose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. Now, what does Herod want to do? Kill this baby. Did he stop there? Continue in Matthew 2, 16. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old and under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise man. Herod shows himself similar to Pharaoh in his selfish disregard for human life. It was convenient for Pharaoh and Herod to kill babies. It was politically convenient for them to do that. You see, abortion is not just a modern evil invention. Its horror is documented in human history. Did you know that in this country, if you harm an unborn eagle, just tamper with the egg or the nest, the fine can run up to $250,000. Kill an unborn human not only no fine, but in our time by some, it will be celebrated. Do you remember the horror of 9-11-2001, an act of violence carried out against this nation when those two buildings in the World Trade Center were destroyed, nearly 3,000 people killed? There is now a memorial on that site with the names of the dead inscribed in bronze, lest we forget. Eleven of those names were unborn children, still inside their mothers when the attack took place. That's recognition of the obvious. Lives inside those mothers Yet what is recognized in that memorial is ignored on paper in what our laws permit. What the Pharaoh did, what Herod did, the enemies of this nation repeated, and the memorial admits it, killing babies. One man expressed it in vivid terms, but true. He said, if a baby were outside the womb, and you stuck a knife through its chest, you'd be charged with first-degree murder. But if you kill the child inside the womb, it is called a human right. 
I tell you, we are justified in the assignment of shame on those who celebrate and perpetuate the killing of babies. May our righteous indignation never be diminished by cultural pressure or politically correct temptation. But now I promised I'd talk about what the prophets would say. We know what they would say because we know what they did say. Turn to Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. Here's what Jeremiah heard God say to him. Now the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you, I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Now, what would Jeremiah say? I believe he would say what God told him. God said to the prophet, I formed you and consecrated you. Who was God talking to? He was talking to a person about his earliest existence inside his mother. It may be well argued Jeremiah knew about the personhood of babies in their mothers before God spoke these words. If so, this confirmed what Jeremiah knew and directly from God he had this truth upon which to base his continued respect for human life. Is there any doubt what Jeremiah would say about killing babies? What was written before was written for our learning today. Please, Amos 1.13. During the time of Amos, there was intense hostile rivalry among neighboring nations. The Ammonites were paranoid about the women of Gilead believing their children would grow up and destroy them. And so like Pharaoh and like Herod, well, here's the passage in Amos 1.13. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of the Ammonites and for four, I will not revoke the punishment because they have ripped open pregnant women in Gilead that they might enlarge their border. It was convenient. It was easy to do for these barbarians. It served their interest to kill unborn babies. We know what Amos would say, therefore, if he were preaching today on this subject. Ezekiel 23, 35 to 37. Ezekiel 23, 35 to 37. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, because you have forgotten me and cast me behind your back, you yourself must bear the consequences of your lewdness and whoring. The Lord said to me, Son of man, will you judge Ahola and Aholabah? Declare to them their abominations, for they have committed adultery and blood is on their hands. With their idols they have committed adultery, and they have even offered up to them for food the children whom they had borne to me. I think Ezekiel helps us understand that when you turn from God to idols, in whatever form those idols exist, 
Down that pathway is depravity and destruction. I know this is hard to read and hard to think about, but they offered up their children. Idolatry, adultery, and sacrificing children, it all seemed to be convenient. God said, declare to them their abominations. Verse 39 says, they slaughtered their children. Remember, whatever was written in former days was written for our learning. There are so many other things I could say, additional observations and quotations and charts and graphics and politics and charges of hypocrisy and inconsistency, so many things on the periphery. I could go into the scientific medical findings about life before birth. There are studies and statistics, and I'm sure things many of you know about that I've not mentioned. But my job here is to preach the Word. I don't want people to end this recording and just remember statistics and clever phrases and political strategy. I want you to leave the recording knowing and remembering what the prophets said as they conveyed God's eternal will for innocent souls, not forgotten by heaven. Abortion is immoral. Abortion is murder. God told the prophets to say to people who were destroying their children, declare to them their abominations. The prophets of Israel function not only to tell the people God's plan to send a Savior, They not only spoke of the future of Israel in exile and then back home, the prophets of God were spokesmen for justice and righteousness. They identified and exposed wrong behavior and delivered warnings to wrongdoers. Especially pronounced was their righteous indignation against those who oppressed innocent victims. They were speaking words given by God, communicating his strong displeasure when the innocent became victims of selfish, wicked men and women who exalted their own convenience above respect for God and respect for those made in his image. Modern abortion has become not only routine, but celebrated. May we never be silent. I want to take you to one more prophetic reference in Isaiah chapter 10. Isaiah was writing about legislators who were writing law that reflected what served their desires, not righteousness and justice, but legislative selfishness. Isaiah 10, 1 to 4. Woe to those who make unjust laws, to those who issue oppressive decrees to deprive the poor of their rights and withhold justice from the oppressed of my people, making widows their prey and robbing the fatherless, what will you do on the day of reckoning when disaster comes from afar? To whom will you run for help? Where will you leave your riches? Nothing will remain but to cringe among the captives or fall among the slain. Yes, 
For all this, his anger is not turned away. His hand is still upraised. May we never be silent. Thank you for being with us. Please share this recording.